Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello. Hey. We are back. This is episode what one twenty something two. I don't know. One twenty two. I think. I don't know. It's something. But we are starting a cult. That's great. up Jake and Mitch is here. That is true. We are here for the first. Today's a day of first. Jake actually pressed the start button today. It was invigorating. The first time that that has happened in the history of our show. Uh, I yeah, usually spring to- it on me. I know, I usually do. I relinquished that power just because of the angle I'm sitting at. And that's about it. But another first, we have an in-studio audience today. How do you guys feel about that? Woo! Hell yeah. yeah. All right. Very, very, (laughs) very, very, very wonderful. We have some in-house people checking out what we do today, and I love it very much. So I hope everybody out there is ready because it's going to get Real gross, real fast. Uh, I don't really know how else to say that. We're going to talk <laughs> yeah, about with John Wayne Gacy. the murder, the rape, and the molestation, and the disembodiment of plenty of people. But I would like to start this with a joke. Okay, This joke All right. was told to me the other day by a person that is uh, in-house today, my aunt. Um, it was the best joke I've ever heard in my life regarding one of these things, okay? All right, you ready? Bitch, I don't think I told you this one yet. What does it feel like in John Wayne Gacy's house? What do you, What does it feel like? He's supposed to, Mitch is shrugging. supposed to answer. He, he, he thinks that you guys can see him, but I know he, you can't. Bitch doesn't know the answer, so here's the question one more time. What does it feel like in John Wayne Gacy's house? Well, it feels like 33 to 36 below. There you go. Zing! Isn't how, that delightful? How about that one? That's how we're going to start the episode. I gave it a variation because uh, we don't have a confirmed body count, but it's somewhere in that area. Something. Uh, so, Jake, why don't you? Uh, why don't we just jump right in? There's no, uh, there's no sugarcoat in this one, so let's just do it. No, huh? it's probably the worst of the three. Uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah, we left off last week with John Wayne Gacy beginning to become the absolute monster. History will forever remember him as uh, with his first instance, instances of murder. 
Ooh. Right, we started off with starting off with Gacy's first murder when he was thirty years old at that point with Jack McCoy. The first murder. Isn't that crazy? Because I you you think at least in a lot of these other stories, I somebody go back and do me a favor. Count in this three part series how many times I've said in other true crime stories because I feel like it's been an insane amount. We keep making references. It's too much. But he's in relation to other stories. He's so old. I mean, everybody else, they got such a head start in this situation. He really did. He just kind of... He know, just, just fell I'm into pretty, it one day, just like all of his other jobs. Yeah, that's true. You know? He's, you know, he is a clown, literally and figuratively. Yeah. And he didn't fall into that until his like, late 20s. What the hell? But anyway, so yeah, his, his, uh, this episode will focus on, uh, for time's sake, I guess, the method of murder more than the individuals. Yeah, because there's a lot. There's too many. There's far too many. But I think we should probably read their names, just out of respect. Oh, yeah. At the end, maybe. I agree. Yeah. This is an in-memoriam episode. Not particularly for any reason other than just, there's a lot of dead people. Yeah, and this is already three parts. We're not going to make any more parts. You can fill a significant portion of a cemetery with just his victims. A very significant portion. About the size of his house. He had a circumference there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, so first, let's talk about this guy's second marriage, right? Because we talked about it a little bit last time. How did this guy get married again? He got married again. But <laughs> so we touched on this a little bit in last episode. But uh, Gacy's first murder occurred four years before uh, him and his second marriage's uh, divorce. Carol, Carol and her daughters, uh, they divorced in 1976. But the first murder happened in 1972, I believe. So Gacy would commit his first three murders in the four in this like four year period, but he was not slowing down on, uh, you know, uh, fucking his uh, his young male employees during this time. That is that was his one of his it, probably his that was his hobby. main thing. Yeah, he really. I mean, he had a plethora of interests, right? But definitely, that was if it wasn't number one, it was number two. You know. Yeah. It was the fries to his burger for sure. No, that makes sense. The, the main rule in the Gacy household was that uh, only Gacy himself is allowed in the garage. No one's allowed in there. All right. All right I'm going to call a timeout here. No, okay? no, no, no. Go ahead. Um, if you're, I, I personally am not married, okay? Um, but if you are married. Um, well, yeah, that's true. But if yeah. you are married and your spouse and or significant other absolutely refuses you entry into a part of your own home, Without giving you a valid reason of, like, it's different than being like, oh, I, w- I just blew up that bathroom. Don't go in there for, like, a couple hours, you know? But when it's literally, like, this part of the house, you're absolutely not allowed It's like in. you're forever banned. That guy is killing legions of people. You should, you should like, at least... no matter who it is. At least ask questions, you know? Have some, have some suspicion. No, you should break in. That's, yeah, that's a good Break idea. in, maybe. Oh, you're jumping ahead, Mitch. Unless, I mean, like, you see, I was just talking about this on the Patreon, the Stand Against Evil, you know? He had a room that he couldn't go in, and it was for a valid reason. But if you ever aren't, if you find yourself in a scenario where uh, you're in a fictional universe, this is okay, but in reality, do not allow that behavior to go unchecked. It, no. That's just my opinion. At very know? least, just leave. You know? Yeah, that's a smart bet. Yeah, Carol, uh, Gacy's wife, she claims that she could see Gacy come home very late at night very often with the headlights off, only to witness him going into the garage, almost always accompanied by a young man. Right. right you know, okay. okay? So it's all kind of out in the open anyway. 
It's just I don't know what the inside of the garage looks like. I'm asking the rhetorical questions that she didn't ask, okay? Um, I, not even a spouse. If I literally saw anybody that I knew personally doing that on more than one occasion, I'd like to think that I would at least be like, hey, what's the deal? It's really the pulling up with your like headlights off late at night. That just... Like, we can hear you. Yeah, you d- and the fact we can't see you just makes it suspicious. We can you know? still see the car. It's just you don't have lights. <laughs> you know, it's like you're, it's a vehicle. It's, you're slamming the door. There's two slams. It's like you're with someone. You're not pulling up on a skateboard. You're pulling up in a car. Yeah. Well, this became such a regular occurrence that uh, Curiosity got the best of Carol. And she, well, Navi is assaulting the door right now. <laughs> he wants in. He wants in. <laughs> But uh, all right, so yeah, she uh, she eventually came into possession of a key to the garage, and once she entered, she found mattresses on the floor, mirrors on the ceiling, multiple red lights plugged into various outlets, and the sweet and sickening stench. So this stench, unbeknownst to her at the time, was the uh, shallow buried corpse of John Butkovich, Ooh. who we talked about last episode. I love that name, Butkovich. Butkovich. I don't even know if that's proper pronunciation but Butkovich. it is the best way i could possibly i don't know of. what nation it sounds like some type of eastern european nationality from ukraine yeah 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 yeah. but i it seems like the kind of guy that would own like a, a convenience store back in like the 70s oh you know this perhaps. was the this was was this the guy who was the the yugoslavian immigrant's son yeah yeah okay yugoslavia Butkovich. there you go uh, so as fucked up as this may, uh, may seem, it didn't come to Carol as too much of a surprise when she found all this stuff. Uh, Gacy told his ex-wife semi-early on that he was bisexual, so I was like, okay. Uh, but Gacy became more and more blatant in his preferences as time went on. It got a little gross. It turned into just... See, there's sexual desire, and then there's just pure craziness, right? There's that, there's a fine yeah. line there. Um, nowadays, you know, you have the internet, you can watch any type of video you want and you can satiate that, but he chose to go the aggressive route and do it all himself. Yeah, Casey would, he would regularly masturbate gay porno mags in their bedroom, just like, during the day. Well, you know, she was there just fully nude, just doing that. That's some psychological thing, that's like... It seems like a power move on his part, but in the wrong direction of his moral compass. She's gone, and it's like his little way of like, yeah, I'm not in in my space, like I'm going to do that in our space. No, she was there. Oh. It would be in front of her, that's another uh, added layer of disrespect there, but... That's just crazy. Yeah. I don't... don't, Oh my goodness. Yeah. He would uh, he would also comment to her while they were in public, like on dinner dates and that kind of stuff, uh, about young men in public that he had desires for. He was like, "Look at that! Look at the ass on that one!" You know, one of those. <laughs> and it's like it's not funny, but it's it like, is. Carol, check it out. <laughs> look at the dong on this one. Yeah, it's so like openly disrespectful that I can't believe it. Navi's broken through. He's in the room. He broke the floodgates. He's in. <laughs> he heard me say, "What Hello. a nice dong!" And here he comes. Oh, he's freaking out. That's all right. It's all right. Fine. He's just a young lad. Mitch, Mitch is gone. He's on door duty here. See, this is why that door broke in the first place. Didn't it he is. lock himself in this room and we had to get Georgie to get him out? Yep. We, God uh, damn yeah, it. Georgie had to drive all the way out here just so we could not have to break this door down to get him out. 
I'm glad that Navi's a reoccurring character on the podcast now. He is. He's part of the lore. You just you get we'll, we'll you know we'll put a picture of him up so you guys can get a face to the name. Yeah, know? we'll do it. We'll do it. I got a picture of him wearing a ski mask, and it, it's it's pretty funny. <laughs> back to the back to Gacy. Uh, his <laughs> holy shit, Navi! Jesus Christ! <laughs> I want to just let you know how powerful this Why is he is. so angry? <laughs> I don't care. And I want do to whatever. Just, we're breaking stride here. I want you to know how, how just aggressive this dog is, or he can be when he wants to be by people. His tail can break your ankle. It's it nuts. Could, uh, he loves people. He loves people. And there are five of us in this room right now. And navi just broke down not broke but he pushed open a locked door Dude, when i first got here today he put five new scrapes on my arm <laughs> this is, he like was drawing blood it's crazy this is good. he was navi, so excited you're doing things for us that are positive because we're talking about awful things back to this guy who's masturbating to gay porn next to his wife in their bedroom well he yeah cat calls young men to her on uh, dinner dates oh yeah what do you also like, hey nice dog there paul let me see what you're working with yeah. That Have you just, seen one like this, Carol? Have you seen one? But that is uh, hilariously rude. I can't get over it. <laughs> no, yeah, and uh, uh, she also started finding little uh, pairs of underwear made of silk, often with cum on them, uh, just around the house. You know, just around the house. Oh, gross! I'm see. I'm getting. Th- th- tell me if I'm wrong out there, people. You can, you know, you can email us. You know our email. You can hit us up. Start a cult at gmail dot com. Um. I do want to say I'm getting really strong. Uh, what was his name? Was it David Parker Ray, the toy box killer? Yeah. I'm getting really strong toy box killer vibes from this situation. I mean, if John but, Wayne Gacy had whatever chemical he used to make people forget all their experiences, he would definitely do that. Yeah. The only big difference here is uh, his wife is not involved with it either. So that he's a one-man show. Like, he's doing it all himself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. All right, so so from here, you know, all this stuff was happening. It wasn't good. He was kind of deteriorating in how he treated his uh, his wife there. And it was in 1975 on Mother's Day that after having sex, Gacy informed Carol that that would be the very last time they would ever have sex. Can you imagine hearing that news? On I mean, Mother's Day of all days. I can imagine, that, you know, there's people out there that are, like, very, very sexual people, you know? And... That, that's just a part of life. That's nature. Uh, but to be with your wife or your significant other or your husband. Jesus Christ, Navi. To have physical relations, to have sex, and then just be like, this is the last time like, this is ever going to happen. Yeah. Would you even And to tell them it? after so they wouldn't even have the time to savor it, you know? Right. Like, like just like maybe think? I should take some mental photo- like photographs, you know? Photography. Like, oh, uh, it is? Like, are, are you joking? Is this like a bad joke? But no, he was serious, and it wasn't the last time he had sex, just with her it was. It was the best bad joke, because good jokes are true, and he meant it. He, yeah, very, he very much meant it. He's like, this isn't a joke, honey. You can, you can stop laughing. This is not funny. Yeah. This was still a little under a year before their divorce, so she like stuck with it. Uh, but uh, as I think I mentioned in the last episode, the marriage ultimately ended after an extremely heated fight over Carol balancing the checkbook improperly. Uh, wow, but that obviously, was the, that yeah. That was the tipping point. Though. Yeah, I guess that was just kind of the straw that broke the camel's back there. I All right. I mean, hey, whatever whatever floats your boat, I guess. Yeah. But it was after uh, his divorce that Gacy began ramping up his frequency when it came to the killing, so much so that uh, he would have nights where he 
Uh, he would refer to them as his doubles doubles nights. All right. I went for doubles the, nights. The Denny's Grand Slam tonight, guys. I got a little bit of everything. He ordered it twice. I wonder. I wonder. For uh, can I'm rewinding here a little bit back to his wife. That's fine. This timeline, like I said, this entire series, the timeline is just so skewed. Yeah, I'm I'm rewinding just a minute because this is a comment that just kind of came to my mind. I wonder. This is something that we don't have information on particularly. Uh, I don't even think it's out there other than just you know opinions that you might find on Reddit or other sites. I have a feeling that Gacy had some type of physical abuse going on with his wife, or, or maybe even emotional, maybe not physical. It was definitely emotional. I mean, to the point all where that stuff I said. The reason know? that they weren't divorcing earlier or splitting, she was probably afraid of him. It's like I'm I'm not saying that she was aware of what he was doing, but part of her had to have some suspicion. You know, I mean, she saw. Everything in she the garage these, and everything he'd do on his own. She would see these men come with, uh, come home, and you know, in her head, I don't know what she's thinking, but it's like, okay, they're here, they're in the house, and then she probably, well, she obviously never saw them leave because they never left. So you got to start putting two and two together at some point, and just thank God for her, she balanced that checkbook poorly because that was. Yeah. That was her ticket out of that house. Yeah. Well, like I said, yeah, while they were married, he only killed he only killed 3 people. <laughs> oh, that's diet <laughs> that's, murder. That's That's nothing. nothing at all. But no, uh it's, <laughs> so uh yeah, he ramped up the frequency of killing. He had his doubles nights. As one uh might have guessed, these were nights where in case he would lure in a boy, uh murder him, and then he would go out and lure in a second boy and kill him as well. Man, I barely have the energy to go to two stores in one night. No, yeah, it's too much. Too much errands. Too it's many like, errands. oh, we're going to Walmart. Let's stop at Aldi. I'm like, can we just go home? I'm exhausted. <laughs> this leads quite nicely into talking about the crawl space. Honestly, uh, for the, for those of you who are unaware, a majority of John Wayne Gacy's 33 victims were found buried in his crawl space uh, of his Norwich home. Ooh. Right. Uh, what was interesting about this is that uh, in relation to the doubles nights, I mean is that uh, whenever Gacy took uh, the lives of two boys in one night, he would always bury them in the same grave. I and get everywhere that. that I read that, they were like, oh, it's so interesting. So, no, oh, it's, it's so weird. I'm like, no, he just didn't want to dig more. Yeah, Like, why would he do that? That's common sense. He was think a fat it, piece of shit. Like, it's, think why it would he way. do that? <laughs> you order, you're ordering pizza on a Friday, right? You order it, you have it, you got the box. It's a big box. You ordered the family-sized pizza. You're not going to sit there and fold it up, put it in the garbage, drag the garbage to the street. If you're getting pizza Saturday, you're just going to wait till you get both boxes and do it at once. Why would you do all that extra work? No, yeah, it's true. And when you're dealing with literal corpses, you got to save yourself that heartache. You got to save your energy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Two separate graves. What are, what are we being nice to these things now? I he's killed a, him. He's Come a on. clown. He's not an undertaker, okay? He's yeah. got things to do. Uh, yeah. All right, so we also mentioned last week. Uh, how the handcuff trick worked, right? You you explained it pretty well. Basically, Casey would handcuff himself behind his back and successfully get out of him, and then he would tell the victim, he was like, hey, I could show you how to do this trick. Unbeknownst to the victim, Casey kept the handcuff key hidden in his hand the whole time, and once the victim had the handcuffs on, Casey would reveal that he had it, saying it helps to have this. Yeah. You know, that was basically the handcuff trick. That quite That's like a straight Freddy Krueger move. If Freddy Krueger, like... 
gave you the old bait and switch, but it kind of is like a clowning move as well. It's like so well, Pogo. Whoa. It kind of makes sense with Pogo and Patches. You think he made balloon animals? I God, I hope so. Is that like? I a hope sp- he had some sort of worth as a clown aside from how he looked. Is that a specific clown thing, or is that like a just a trope? Can every clown do that? Do you have to do that to pass clown school? I feel like. Every clown does it, but if you do it, it doesn't automatically make you a clown. And Navi, it's okay. He, Navi's Navi, very impassioned about clowns. He hates clowns, and he really doesn't like balloons either. No, yeah. But in any case, uh, where was I? Here is this. This method worked. The handcuff trick. We're back to that. Uh, this method worked on a majority of his victims, but there was one instance where the trick proved to go horribly awry for Gacy. He forgot the key. No, I'm just <laughs> He's like, oh, damn it, somebody help me out of this like, thing. Good Lord. But no, uh, so a young man named David Cram. Who, David uh, Crab? Cram. Oh, okay. Like you cram something. It's like Mr. Krabs? Yeah. Jesus, Navi. Uh, <laughs> so uh, David Cram, he began working for Gacy at his construction company. Uh, he moved in with Gacy. Right? Because, you know, why not? He's a single guy. He's the he's, He doesn't have any money yet. The paycheck hasn't come in yet. He needs somewhere to live. So he moved in with Gacy. Uh, not even Terrible 20, idea. Yeah, probably. Because not even 24 hours later, Gacy attempted to play the handcuff trick on him. And uh, this was after getting him drunk, you know. Okay. So what Gacy didn't know was that Cram was fresh uh, out of a year in the army. So he was he was uh, kind of ready for this. He's like, I know this trick. I invented this <laughs> trick, bro. So Cram uh, ended up overpowering Gacy while in the handcuffs, kicking him in the face and freeing himself from the cuffs. Damn. So isn't that great? Just the the military coming through. How would you but, not appreciate visualizing that? You know what I mean? This guy's murdering and raping people. He's handcuffed behind his back. He kicks this guy in the face, <laughs> gets free, and guess what? He doesn't move out of the house. He's like, I'm. He still stayed living, living with Casey after this. Try it again. I dare you. Yeah. I dare you. Insane. But uh, yeah, so he. He didn't move out of the house, like I said. And about a month later, Gacy appears at uh, Cram's bedroom door claiming that it was in best uh, best interest of Cram if he just gave him what he wanted. He's basically like, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I'm capable of. It's best you just do what I want. Gacy again attempts to rape Cram, and he was fought off again by the young veteran. Damn, dude, yeah. this guy really flipped the script completely. Yeah, he then then he moved out finally it's after like the, the second time. This is like the most disturbing episode of The Odd Couple ever. It's just like <laughs> they both are good at what they do. And it's he's a one-time like, limited series. I'm going to rape you. And he's like, no, you're not. You're going to get me a cup of coffee. And he's like, okay. He's like, God damn it, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, so he moved out after the second time. But... Cram never once told anyone about uh, what, it, what he'd gone through at John Wayne Gacy's house. Damn. The only victim that was able to survive. Yeah, really? Well, I mean, as far as we know, I'm sure there's others. Well, but... the only one that left having been unassaulted. Yeah, quite because literally. Because a couple of them, we'll get to that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so he didn't move out. He tried to rape him again. Then he moved out. However, yeah, Cram didn't tell anybody. Uh, this may have been due to Cram not wanting anything homosexual related to him, but may have also been due to the fact that Gacy was often implicating the boys uh, that he took his victims in crimes and or like blackmailable situations almost every time. They were always drinking or smoking weed, and they were all underage, right? 
Mm-hmm. And uh, many of the employees that he took into the garage were closeted gay men. Or yeah. at very least, they didn't want uh, you know, the, uh, their experimentation, even if they didn't know, getting out into the public. I mean, not to mention the fact that Gacy was their boss. Right. So their livelihood really depended on them doing this shit and taking part in it and being quiet about it. It's very reflective of like what we talked about with Jeffrey Dahmer when we did that series. It, it being a homosexual and being gay in that time, it's like it really it was almost you wanted to keep that a secret more than anything on the planet. Yeah. So if it came down to it where you either had to tell somebody that you were assaulted and raped and almost murdered, chances are they wouldn't say anything because it would come out that you were involved in that situation because you were gay. And that was not going to fly. So yeah, that's was, probably directly what Cram was trying to avoid. He's like, you know what, I took care of it, Everything's it's done. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Like, I'm, I, I'm good. I, I, no one needs to know what you happened know? here because that's my reputation on the line. So it is, it's... It, again, it's a thing, a, a product of the times, I should say. Yeah. It, it Today, it might not be as big of an issue, but back then, that was, like, not okay. Like, you really could, especially in that world where you're, you know, contract work, you're doing things like that, you could get blackballed and never hired again if it came out that you were gay. So... Yeah, I could see that happen. Why, you know what I mean? Like, why, I mean, even if, even if that wouldn't have happened, it was a thought that... If that came out, that could be a byproduct yeah. of that information. So it was, it was easier in that time for them to just act like it didn't yeah, happen. Yeah, just let it go. And that, was, that added another aspect to Gacy getting away with this stuff for so long. Aside from, you know, just states not talking to each other about his past crimes. But, uh, but that's neither here nor there. So, uh, Gacy. What kind of killer was he, Grant? Oh, what, oh, like in the category of killers? Yeah. Um, you know, that's a good question. I he really was, don't know. I think he was a process killer through and through. Uh, I he, can see that. Because, you, know, you know, the bodies were never that special to him. What motivated him to kill was the killing itself. You know, like the first one, he just he came in his pants. He didn't even realize. He was like, this is euphoric. Yeah, that like As sexual... he was killing him, you know? He got the sexual release. Yeah, he couldn't get off unless he was killing someone. Yeah, it wasn't so much about the actual act. It was more about what he could get out of the act. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, what motivated him to kill was the killing itself. The plot line and how it should all go down and how the murder's done. Uh, that's what got him off, right? So it only makes sense that Gacy, having such an expansive track record in uh, hindsight, uh, you know, 33 young boys, he would get a little creative with his role in these heinous acts. So yeah, his, very creative. Very creative. Uh, In his confessions, Gacy revealed that his murders were committed by a character that he referred to as Mad Jack, or Jack Hanley. Apparently, this character was based off of a real-life detective who assisted uh, Gacy in getting his uh, police regalia. I was going to say, where did that name come from? It was an actual dude's name, yeah. And, uh, yeah, Jack Hanley. He uh, he helped him get all the, like, police badges and all that stuff, um... He often used to lure in his victims. You mean he didn't just go to like Halloween USA and just pick up? No, know? it was legit looking stuff. It, oh. was, uh, it was pretty crazy. Apparently the real Jack Hanley was a tough, grizzled man who hated gay men and often took to uh, beating young men, especially weak young men with long hair, for no reason aside from their outward appearance. Yeah, that, that quite literally is describing uh, what he would do to these people. 
Pretty much, yeah. Uh, so, you know, due to this character coming out uh, later into Gacy's Confessions, you know, many people are skeptical skeptical of its legitimacy. However, it is, uh, if it is true, it kind of sheds an interesting light on the uh, psychology of Gacy during this time. Uh-huh. In a way, the real-life person, Jack Hanley, was based off of... Uh, with the real-life Jack Hanley, who his character, Jack Hanley, was based off of, uh, shares many traits with Gacy's father. Indeed. In one way or another. You know, it could be a testament to how Gacy's internalized feelings about himself being homosexual could be reacted to by him from learned experiences from his father. Right, and like what we talked about in part one, where Gacy both feared, hated, and respected his father to a very crazy degree. Uh, So the idea that this, you know, they share similar traits and he utilizes that as, I guess, angry fuel to add to the fire. Yeah. It's the perfect storm because, I mean, his dad's no longer around, so he doesn't have that. That I don't know what he's looking for. I don't know if it's compassion or hatred or any form of attention he could get from. Yeah, it's like love from his father was, in normal people's eyes, hatred from his father. But he's craving it because he's dead. He died on Christmas, remember? Yep, a Christmas death. What a sad day to die. There's not a good day to go, but Christmas is a a real bad one. Or was it Christmas? Was it Christmas? I believe it was. I think it was Christmas. I, I don't remember. I'm, I'm pretty certain it was. Go I back and listen to the first one. It. Yeah. Well, uh, Gacy at this point was in the midst of what he called his cruising years. Uh, this was a period of time wherein his uh, murdering was in full swing and not slowing down. Gacy would go out, uh, you know, off on the town in Chicago, luring in young men into his car under the guise of being a policeman or just being a John seeking a prostitute. Or simply picking up young men looking for a place to stay, a quick fix, or work. Because he had all that stuff. He had drugs, he had businesses. Penis, he had whatever a penis, he wanted. As, as, as uh, many people have said. One of the more unique pretenses through which Casey found a victim was in 1977 uh, with 19-year-old John Sizik. So Sizik was not employed by Gacy, so this was a rare occurrence. Uh, He was rather simply a, quote, friend, according to Gacy. Uh, And he was lured into Gacy's home under the pretenses that Gacy wanted to purchase his Plymouth satellite off of him. What a generic car. It's a good one. It's not bad. They look cool. Just the idea of, like, that's the car that I want to buy is the Plymouth satellite. (laughs) It makes me think of that song Planet Claire when he's like, she drove up Plymouth... See, that's the only time I I understand that. No, that does make sense. Well, Gacy wants it. Gacy wants the car. So he says. All right. So Gacy reportedly strangled Sizzik in his spare bedroom, you know, uh, instead of buying the car. So what you're telling me is he really wanted the car. He really wanted the car. Uh, (laughs) So after he disposed of the body in his crawl space, and uh, he, he, uh, he went out and sold the car. So I don't think he really wanted the car. Oh. I think he may have just wanted to to kill this guy. He just wanted the the vessel, yeah. not the car. You know? No, yeah, he sold it for three hundred dollars. What? What? Not back then. It was that's a lot of money. I would I would literally cry and I would shit in my pants if I could buy a car for three hundred dollars. And I it got, actually I got worked. news for you. Get your get your ass ready. 
<laughs> get ready because it's it, you're gonna find it. Go on Craigslist right now, and just be careful because there's a lot of guys like him on there. So yeah, no, it's very true. So no, I know I said uh, he like the bodies didn't really matter, but there was one sort of weird like ritual Gacy would do with the bodies before he would bury them under his home. Okay, Gacy would commit the heinous act of murder after raping and or torturing the young male victims. And then he would place the bodies underneath his bed for roughly 24 hours. Every time he would do this. That, again, in the true... Uh, I'm rewinding, count it up again. Here comes the tally. In the other true crime stories that we've done, this is very similar to both Ed Kemper and Jeffrey Dahmer, who in their own way did something similar. They would have their little after-death ritual with the corpse, you yeah. know? But his was just kind of... Sticking it under the bed. I mean, it's it's theorized that this could be an initial way of, like, cleaning up. It's in a sense. You know, it's like, what just happened didn't really happen. Like, nothing's ever happened in this room. You can't see anything that's wrong with this room. Everything's fine. It's like, like it's kind of like he's he's lying to himself. It's like when you you're know, too no lazy going to do the laundry and, you know, you just have a pile on the floor and you just kind of kick it under the bed or maybe you throw the comforter over it or something. You're just like... See, look, every it's gone. I yeah. don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I'll no clean more it mess. Later. That's that's what he was doing, but with with you know, the bodies of young men. Yeah, humans. Uh, so obviously, the bodies were then transported to the crawl space or uh, wherever he chose to bury them, because he did end up using a lot of the real estate under his house. Uh, oh yeah, and we'll talk about that in a sec. Oh yeah, he used just about every. He ran out of foot. space. He ran out of space. There was no more space to do it. Uh, <laughs> he was done. He was done <laughs> was, for, dude. It was crazy. But uh, at the very end of 1977, around December 30th, Gacy committed one of his two known captures and releases. Ooh, what's so this that? So this is weird, right? Because, you know, he does this to get off, and he can only get off by killing someone. Right, so this was right. Just stra- you know. It was just a weird anomaly in, in his timeline. The releases of these boys was entirely on purpose, right? It wasn't due to being overpowered or outsmarted how it had been in the past. Uh, Gacy simply abducted, beat, raped, and released the boys. Many Ooh. believe this to be due to the same crawl space issue that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. But uh, the ever-creative Gacy found a new means of disposing the victims' bodies, disposing of the victims' bodies, uh, dumping them in the river. Yeah. See, you know, that's kind of a surefire way. That it's always moving. Get it out of here, you know? The, the thing that I find interesting about this tidbit of information is that in most scenarios, people that, you know, study these things, or if you, obviously, if you're listening to this, you have some sort of interest in true crime. It, it might go to, well, maybe, you know, the murder and all that, it was becoming mundane, and he wanted to spice it up. Similar to how, I don't know, let's say you play baseball, right? And you swing with your right hand, but you're really good when you do that. So you want to switch it up, and you're going to bat lefty today because you just want to, I don't know, see how it goes. So this is his way of attempting to be ambidextrous in his heinous murder. No, exactly. It's his way of kind of adding some spice to the pie. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a, I don't. You don't really add spice to pie. I guess. Well, depends I guess on the pie. There's there's savory pies. You don't know about pies. Come on. Yeah, that is true. There's all different kinds. But in his instance, it's almost comical that it simply is just like. Well, I got nowhere to put it, so let's just get, let's just let him go. It's like I got no other <laughs> options. Much. 
I don't want to stop, but I mean, what am I going to do with yeah, him? Yeah, where do I even put him? Well, he put him in the river. And uh, he, Gacy would continue on uh, with his murdering and dumping in the remains uh, in the river five more times until things uh, started going very wrong for Gacy. In Gacy's eyes. In society at large's eyes, maybe it's good. but Yeah, in society's eyes, in it started case. going wrong about 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. So, he's killed a lot of people up until this point, okay? And it's December 11th of 1978, and this is when he kills someone who uh, the, the police actually start to follow up with. Okay? Yeah, that's uh, not his, good. The, this guy's family loved him, so so that's something. But So on December 11th of 1978, Gacy visited a pharmacy in Des Plaines uh, to discuss a remodeling job with the owner. While this business meeting took place, 15-year-old year, uh, Robert Peist overheard Gacy say that uh, his company employed teenage boys with a starting pay of $5 an hour, which was double what Peist was being paid at the time. Damn. That was certainly a different time because uh, I'm pretty sure that's illegal now. Not for servers. Oh, well, yeah, I guess Making that's true. tips, you know? They, yeah, they factor in that you're, you're supposed to get tips. Yeah, that's actually a lot for a server. Either I do, way. I do say supposed to because yeah. it, it doesn't always happen. Yeah, this guy was working at a pharmacy. So, uh, so yeah, he, Gacy loudly told pretty much the entire store that he employs young boys uh, for $5 an hour. And uh, Peist overheard this, uh, that, that which was no accident on Gacy's part. Later that evening, after the two had spoken directly about the possible employment, Peist's mother uh, arrived to pick up Robert. And uh, it was her birthday, so they were going to celebrate her birthday together. It was going to be great. And Peist asked his mother to wait due to some contractor wanting to offer him a job. Uh, So Peist promised to return soon, but he never would. Because around 9 o'clock p.m., Gacy took Peist back to his Norwich home claiming that he needed to sign some tax documents if he was, you know, to be employed there. Oh, he had to sign some documents, all right. Oh, yeah. So Gacy then asked him if there was anything... uh... Oh, wait, no. Hang on. He needed to do some tax documents. Once there, Gacy began giving Peist beers. That was kind of his natural thing. He would just give people beers, Uh, which inevitably led to the handcuff trick. Gacy then asked if there was anything he wouldn't do for the right price. Uh, to which Peist responded in saying that he was not afraid of working hard. All right. That's, so, a weird, that's such a sad way of putting it. When no, he, yeah. He's not afraid of working hard. It's like, man, you don't know what's You don't even know what's about to happen. Uh-uh. So, yeah, once Peist was uh, thoroughly duped by the handcuff trick, Gacy told him directly, I'm going to rape you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Well, that's one way to get the party yeah, started, yeah. I guess. So Peist began to cry, and he was pleading, uh, but Gacy placed a rope around the boy's neck and proceeded to strangle him. Yep. Uh, he was dead by 10 o'clock p.m., just about an hour after he arrived at Gacy's home. Yeah, that sounds about on par with what I was thinking was going to happen. Yeah, it's, he's pretty predictable at this point. So the next day, the Peist family was extraordinarily worried. It was, uh, it was not like Robert to stay out this late, let alone on his mother's birthday, right? Because he loved his mom. He was like, Mom, I'm going to go get a new job for your birthday. But he, he didn't. He didn't. It's such a funny but practical gift. It's like, you know what I'm going to do for you, Mom? I'm going to get, get a job. Get a better so job, be more independent. Just think of the stress that will alleviate from your life. I'm going to do that for your birthday. It's kind of a cop-out, like he didn't even get her a card, but it is thoughtful. 
Yeah. No, yeah, it's good. It didn't end well, but uh, so the Pice family uh, they they file a missing persons report. Yeah. Right? This led to the owner of the pharmacy where Gacy and Pice had met uh, to uh, to link Gacy to the boy the night of his disappearance. Yep. Ultimately, this led the Des Plaines police to obtain a search warrant for Gacy's Norwich home. Uh, so this search led to the discovery of multiple police badges, a starter pistol, a hypodermic needle, handcuffs, gay and pederasty uh, books, porno films, an 18-inch dildo, uh, bottles of Valium, underwear too small for Gacy, and probably most interestingly to the police, a uh, 1975 class ring from Maine West High School with the initials J-A-S engraved into it. Yes. And so they see, found a bunch of shit. And this plays a huge role because, obviously, again, like we said, spoiler, he does get caught. He does. But one of the biggest things uh, that led to this investigation that would come, uh, one of the main investigators, Lieutenant Joseph Kozenzak, there's a lot of Polish said. names in this story. Kazenzek, yeah. well, anyway, Chicago, you know. His son attended Maine West High School as well. So it hit home for him a little bit. You know, it's like, this is a classmate of my son. Yeah, that was the, he was the detective who really decided to keep pursuing uh, Gacy. Yeah, so this was definitely the final straw on the camel's back. Uh, it it did not bode well after this event. Yeah, very much so. Uh, so these discoveries led to the police confiscating Casey's Oldsmobile and any PDM vehicles, uh, which was his construction company like we covered. So, uh, before putting him on a 24-hour surveillance. So police also began investing Casey's uh, past a little bit more clearly. Because, you know, there's a lot of stuff that kind of got lost in the woodwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, finding out all about the sodomy and uh, battery charges. So police also interviewed Gacy's ex-wife, who shed a little bit more light on Gacy's checkered past. Yeah, that he was a psychopath. Yeah, a lot of stuff was happening. For lack of a better term, that is. Yeah, there's a lot of words we use to describe him. Uh, so the class ring uh, that was discovered was then traced to John Allen Sizzik. All right, we remember that guy, right? Yes, we do. Yeah, he, uh, he died. He was he was gonna get the he was gonna get the car bought from him, but no, he just died, and then he, they sold his car. Either way, Casey never once thought he was going to be caught. Uh, he began inviting the policemen who were running surveillance on him to dinner and like out to drinks. He was trying to be like buddy buddy with him, pulling the old Ed Kemper, you know, hide in plain sight. Yeah, he also knew that they did they weren't gonna like arrest him for something small. Or what he viewed as small, I guess. So he would purposefully attempt to get away from the policeman tailing him whenever he was out. And sometimes he would do this successfully. Yeah, that makes sense. He would just get away and be like, ah, I got you. Well, they're not going to blow it early. You know, you're not going to arrest him on that. And then it's like, ah, you're building up, you're trumping up charges here, you know? Yeah, but he's just being a dick. Like, one morning he was out to breakfast and he invited the surveillance officers to join him again. And during this, he was kind of being interviewed a little bit about his business and his clowning and his other escapades. Mm. But when he was talking about like Pogo and the patches and the clown personas, he famously or infamously said, uh, you know, clowns, clowns can get away with murder to the policemen. Yeah. I That's mean, something he said to them over breakfast. That is kind of funny. I mean, it's, it, it isn't funny in the ha ha way. It's just like, Wow, this guy is, he's either losing it or he's way too comfortable. I think it was a little bit of both, because <laughs> that's just insane. As if that wasn't blatant enough, the, the true discovery of Gacy's hidden horrors 
uh, became uh, they they came one day when he invited detectives running surveillance on him into his home. Okay, so one of the detectives used Gacy's restroom, flushed the toilet, and immediately smelled the stench of dead bodies. Yep. Just I don't know how that happened. I guess during the first search, um, his air system wasn't circulating. But this time it was, and right after he flushed the toilet, he kind of like stood up straight. The uh, the air was blowing in, and he just immediately smelled dead bodies. He knows what they smell like. Mm-hmm. He's a detective. He's a homicide detective. So, uh, Gacy at this point was becoming visibly worn down uh, from you know constant surveillance and the attempt. So he attempted a civil suit against the Des Plaines Police Department to get him to leave him alone. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is crazy. I mean, it, that is, I guess, the proper way to go about that. You you can't get them off you unless you do something like that. And, I mean, at this point, I think what people don't understand is that in the mind of these psychopaths, they really don't believe that what they're doing is wrong or that they'll get caught. They They have that invincibility emotion, you know? And the civil suit is the best way where it's like, it kind of covers your tracks where to him it seems like, well, I have nothing to hide, so why wouldn't I just do this and get him to go away? Yeah, no, but it does make sense. That doesn't. That just means they're going to look a little bit harder because they don't want to lose. No, it's very true. All right, so him, you know, being in contact with lawyers and everything, this ultimately led to his demise. Yep, because yes, it did. Um, one night during a meeting with his defense attorney, uh, which the police were not permitted to, you know, uh, attend or hear anything because of uh, attorney-client privilege. Cue the American psycho scene. There you go. So he confessed to every single thing that he'd ever done to this defense attorney. And let it be known that this was this uh, attorney's first case in private practice. He's like, I'm And gonna... John Wayne Gacy just dumps all this on his desk. I'm going to spread my wings and be a civil defense lawyer. It's like, all right, good luck, have fun. You got this one. <laughs> you got Gacy. So, uh, yeah, Gacy was extremely drunk for this, apparently. He was he kind of ramped up, like, the, the heavy drinking. You know, I'd said he was kind of getting worn down from the surveillance. He was drinking heavily. He wasn't shaving. He was, like, visibly just tired and exhausted. And the, the lawyer literally gave him a drink. He got a bottle of whiskey out of his own car no, he's like, yeah, to you, give you to need his this. client. Yeah. <laughs> so Gacy was extremely drunk during this. And, uh, yeah, he, he began to... After, well, so after he, uh, you know, told his lawyer about all this stuff, he rejoined the group of policemen running surveillance on him, blackout drunk, and apparently he fell asleep and then woke up, or pretended to wake up and did like a Frankenstein walking around sort of thing, and then he pretended to go back to sleep. But that I don't, he's doing a bunch of crazy shit. He, he he started going around telling everybody that he knew everything. That he was a rapist, that he was a murderer, that he had killed over 30 boys. Uh, he even gave one of his friends, like, a bag of joints. He's just doing insane things. Uh, Gacy was then driven. He he wasn't driven. He then drove around, like, erratically with a rosary up to his chin, like, saying just prayers and things. And he was going to graveyards and visiting family members. So police arrested him for dispensing drugs, like the bag of joints I mentioned earlier. And uh, because they were still in the process of acquiring the search warrant, the second one, uh, once back at the police station, Gacy very convincingly faked a heart attack, was taken to the hospital, and then he was quickly returned to jail. Because, you know, he was faking it. Right. 
Uh, while in jail, the police were granted the second warrant to search Gacy's home, and upon arriving, they immediately went to the crawl space, where, within minutes, they discovered multiple putrefied remains. This is it. Okay, this is it for Gacy. Uh, when the first policeman discovered the first piece of remains, which was an arm, he immediately, he immediately yelled, charge him. <laughs> That's right, Nobby, charge him. Charge him. Get the energy going. So, yeah, they, uh, they found everything. Yeah, so they found it all. And pretty much what we're looking at here, the funniest thing in the world to me is that the day that Gacy admitted all this, right, he's at the lawyer's office. I said American Psycho because if you've seen that movie, there's that scene where he's in his office just crying on the phone to his lawyer explaining everything he did. It's kind of the image that I'm getting out of this. Oh, uh, yeah, I feel like that may have been directly taken from this description no i think so too so like jake said he went around you know he kind of said his goodbyes did his things uh he was in this weird kind of like haze if you will you know uh and what he did is when he went home he unplugged the sump pump in the house right uh and he i guess the hope was that it would flood the basement enough to where they couldn't find anything but i guess he didn't take into account that uh, the investigators weren't idiots. Yeah, they could just uh, plug it back in. Yes, yeah, so and, they, they, and they did. So he took the plug and he hit it. So they just went and got a new one and plugged it in and waited a few hours for the basement to drain. And then they got right to digging. And within an hour, they found remains of a human body. Yeah. Um, they they kept digging and digging and digging. And I mean, I'm not. I'm going to be honest with you. This went on for months, okay? Like, absolute just months. Because they kept finding bodies. Right. There were so many. Like, of the 33, only five of them went in the river. All the other ones were just in various places around the house. Right. And, I mean, it took weeks. For weeks, they were just digging and looking. They'd find nothing. Then they'd find something. Uh, And most of the time, they weren't finding full bodies because, I mean, they'd been, you know, buried for so long yeah they were finding pieces of bodies and then they were piecing that together it was the world's worst 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 jigsaw puzzle you could ever have yeah um they just didn't know what to do so obviously right he's screwed um on december 29th of that year more bodies were unearthed right this is where they found 22 23 24 and 26 and you might be wondering well, what about that well they came back later and they found the 25th confirmed victim later but so they keep digging and we're at a point now where i mean he is absolutely screwed he is just done they're finding uh heads and torsos uh that match certain pelvis regions and legs and arms um they they found all these victims. Uh, they found, of the 33 confirmed, they only found 12 that weren't killed by strangulation. Um, they're really, they're kind of like, well, well, how is that? So they learned that these people died of asphyxiation. Okay, so it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, a lot of the time, uh, Gacy said that he would sit on their chests. Like, yeah. in, initially, that was, like, the first thing he would usually do. Yeah, that was kind of so his that MO. That may have uh, had something to do with that. But, so, yeah, they, they noticed that, and obviously this creates a pattern. Uh, there's really no defense for that. It's not like, oh, somebody planted those there. It's like, 
these all fit a very specific pattern of events. So like, I think we can rule out people planting bodies in John Wayne Gacy's house because oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> It ain't gonna happen. It's like it's like Cosby and all it, like the people who accused him. It's like oh, I bet some of them are. Li-. It's like who cares? It's enough to where it's like okay, yes, there's a problem here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like <laughs> in April of 1979, the now vacant home of John Wayne Gacy was officially demolished. And I tried to look this up. Really, the only reason I found it specifically, they wanted to make sure that there was no tampering or tourism. Because the truth is, like, they'd kind of slowed down on the investigation, at least as far as excavating bodies. But there was no way to be sure that there weren't more. And they wanted to make sure that nobody would be breaking in or, you know, looking. It's still a crime scene. Even if it's yeah. not active, it is something that they can go back to and continue to look at. At least it was, because I think we mentioned this on, like, a really long ago past episode, but... There's a house there now, and it's up for sale. Yep. I don't know if anyone bought it, because that was a long while ago, but yeah, the, it's it's just a house again. The renovated Gacy house is now for sale. Uh, it is not the same house, but it, it's there, so it's like same it's place. enough. Um, so this is when they started finding bodies uh, washed up in the Des Plaines River. Uh, initially, they weren't connected to John Wayne Gacy, but then... Obviously, after enough time, uh, by early 1979, they realized that they followed the same method of death, uh, strangulation, and the decomposition rate showed that they would have died around the time of the cruising era, as he said, a little bit after. Not to mention Gacy was just singing like a goddamn songbird at oh, this yeah, he, point. He was just confessing. Like he, he was tried a, his guts. Yeah, he tried a few different like methods of like, oh, maybe this will get me off. Like he was saying he was schizophrenic. He was saying like all these different things that just weren't true. He said that thing about uh was uh-huh. it Jack Hanley? You know? Uh-huh. But eventually the truth just comes out. I do uh I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of shorten this up a little bit just because they're there's a lot of back and forth with the trial, and there's a lot of names and dates that... I, they're, they're pertinent if you're interested. There's plenty of information, but I'm going to give us a little quick rundown here. Um, Gacy uh, was brought to trial on February 6th of 1980. He was charged with 33 murders. Okay, 33. That is an insane amount. It's a good amount. Uh, he was tried in Cook County, Illinois, before Judge Louis Garipo... Uh, the jury was selected from Rockford, Illinois, because, I mean, obviously Cook County was flooded with the Gacy story. Yeah, and a lot of, like, it's probably hard to find a jury where someone didn't have some relation to one of the victims. Because mm-hmm. it's just the sheer mass and the small area he got them all from. So the, the court did grant him this before his trial uh, at the request of the defense counsel, Gacy spent more than 300 hours with different doctors and therapists. And a big surprise, he tried to convince them all that he was suffering from a multitude of different, you know, ailments, uh, mental illnesses. And after the 300-hour mark, it was officially declared that John Wayne Gacy, while psychotic, was in no way insane or unable to stand trial. So he was granted... uh, I guess what you would call sanity by the doctors. Yeah. 
and you got to think this is very thorough. This is over three hundred hours of research into him. Yeah, it's not just two days like the first time they did a little analysis of him for the first charge he ever got charged for. Now I will say this: um, there were psych- uh, psychiatric experts that were called to the stand in the defense. And uh, they did say that there were three doctors that said that they had found him to be a paranoid schizophrenic, but in the, they never once said that this in no way makes it to where he shouldn't, you know, stand trial or should plead insanity. They just were pretty open about like, yeah, we think this dude might be nuts, but, you know, he's still capable enough of making these rational decisions. Yeah, I mean, he owned multiple businesses. He was a schmoozer if he ever saw one he was around kids he gained the trust of everyone he he was not like unable to handle himself mm-hmm. uh and during this time with all this he would refer to himself as bad jack um yep. Yep. for those of you out there that are familiar with dr jekyll and mr hyde that is like the exact mo he was going for uh he was john wayne gacy on one hand and he was Bad Jack on the other. And John Wayne Gacy was a fun-loving worker who just loved being around people. And Bad Jack was an extremely homophobic, evil monster who would beat, rape, and torture weak and stupid and gay individuals. Yeah, Jack Hanley. But yeah, it's kind of the same with Pogo and Patches. You know, Patches was like the more serious clown, which is still weird. But And then Pogo was the fun-loving one. He had all, all, these, all these instances of duality in his yeah. trial. The one, the reason that I wanted to talk about this so in depth is because, now don't get me wrong, I'm not entirely, entirely sure. I've never heard it come out of his mouth specifically, but I have read in, um, in interviews and in books from other people out there that worked on these cases and study it. Uh, apparently, during the deliberation with his lawyers, Jeffrey Dahmer initially wanted to plead insanity. And they were telling him, they were using this case as reference. And they were like, you know, you can try, but there's no guarantee. And upon learning this, Jeffrey Dahmer supposedly said to one of his lawyers that if John Wayne Gacy is deemed sane, I would be terrified to meet someone who's deemed insane. Yeah, pretty much. And when that guy's See, Dahmer's so charming sometimes. He he could (laughs) be. When he's not drunk, he's so charming. He really had it. And that is, it's a great point. It's like when they can prove that this guy's not insane or not insane enough to where he needs the help more than he needs prison, you don't want to meet the guy that doesn't pass that test. No, yeah, you very really true. don't because what's that guy capable of? It's a tough job dealing with those people. So we go through a lot of testimony here. So on February 18th, Robert Stein testifies. Uh, we keep going back and forth. Uh, A guy named Jeffrey Rignall testified on behalf of the defense on February 21st, right? Uh, This is what he said. He wept repeatedly while describing the torture that John Wayne Gacy uh, inflicted on him in March of 78. Yeah, like you do. That makes sense. You might be wondering, how is this in favor of the defense? Well, I'll get to that. So he's freaking out, and eventually the lawyers ask, you know, should he be able to stand trial for his actions? And pretty much Jeffrey Rignall tells him that there's no way that John Wayne Gacy could be in prison for that because he was not acting as human when he did what he did to him. That it was complete animal instinct. It was complete just monstrosity. And there's no way that this guy... Is so 
Oh yeah, just let him go then. Like what? Well, what? Not <laughs> like, that. That's what I find interesting because they didn't try to twist it and say he didn't do it or he shouldn't be in jail. Yeah, they're like, oh, he's just an animal. They literally leaned into, you're getting screwed one way or the other, but let's try to get you in the insane asylum and not prison. I guess, yeah. Um, and his uh, examination was so bad that eventually they, uh, they during the cross examination, my yeah, mistake. Yeah. The cross-examination was so intense for him that he actually vomited while he was on the stand, and he was asked to leave, and they didn't ask him to come back because they were like, clearly this is a lot for you, and we're not going to make you go through this. So it was, he was there to testify in favor of Gacy, and when the prosecutors were asking him questions, it was so bad that he literally vomited and could no longer speak. Mm Mm-hmm. Good, good, yeah. Um, so throughout the month of February, we have plenty of people. Uh, we have Donald Voorhees. He testified against Gacy in late February, leap year that year, February 29th. How oh, about that? It was on a leap year. It's kind of fun. Um, but so we have plenty to testify. And then during the fifth week of the trial, okay, this is where it just gets really funny. Um John Wayne Gacy actually writes a formal personal letter to Judge Garippo, and he requests a mistrial. Uh, this is out of court. He doesn't bring it up in the in the courtroom, anything like that. He writes the guy a letter, and he's like, hey, listen here, Judge. Can I get a mistrial? I really I want this to stop. And do you want to know what he cited as his reasons for mistrial? Yes. Uh, he said that he did not give the okay to his lawyer to use the insanity plea. Okay. Um, he said that his lawyers refused to let him take the witness stand, even though that is something he very much wanted to do. I think his actions are speaking for his own insanity. Here. Yeah. Like that's, you know. uh, he said that the defense did not call enough medical witnesses. And then he also said that the police were just flat out lying. That Those were his reasons to claim a mistrial. Well, that's that definitely sounds like a guilty criminal trying to get yep. out of a trial. That's uh, it's like police are lying. My lawyers are shit. Just do me a solid. Like no, you, that's not how it works. And the judge, in a very, I, there's really not a whole lot of specifics on what happened, but uh, it seems as if before the jury was brought into the room again on one of the days of trial, uh, both of the counsels, including John Wayne Gacy were brought to the front to speak to the judge. Mm-hmm. And the judge kindly informed him that, uh, according to the law, he can do any of those things that he asked by simply asking the judge. And since he's never done that, he was refusing his right. Jesus Christ. So it was quite simple, okay? It was very, very simple. Um, on March 11th, that was the day that the closing arguments by both the prosecution and the defense were given... So we're looking at about six to seven weeks of a trial here. There's a lot to go through, okay? That seems like a long time, but honestly, like in terms of the courts, mm-hmm. that's like a pretty expedited trial, I'd say. Yeah, um, and then pretty much what we're dealing with here is it actually backfired because by bringing people in to testify against and for Gacy uh, being former victims... They were the prosecution was able to turn that around and say that somehow actually these individuals are worse off and they referred to them as living dead 
because of the actions that they've had to live through because of John Wayne Gacy. So if it ever looked like he was going to get a sliver of hope, it was completely crushed on March 11th. No, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely just completely crushed. Good. Um, so they closed, uh, they closed all their statements off. The jury deliberated for about four to five hours, right? Uh, actually, oh, hold on. Let me, I'm kind of fast-forwarding here a little bit just so you know. Uh, they did resume on March 12th. Um, a guy named William Kunkel, uh, he continued to argue for the prosecution. So the, the closing statements continued for a little bit longer, but then by that time on March 12th, uh, the jury had deliberated for a few hours and believe it or not, they found him guilty of all 33 accounts. And for each account, he was given the death penalty. So he was given 33 consecutive death penalties. That is cool. That, that is what the jury found him guilty of. Could you imagine? Mm-hmm. Um, that was just completely unprecedented, especially because uh, lethal puni- or, uh, capital punishment by lethal injection had just come into effect in June of 1977. Oh, it's like they were, it's a match made in heaven. And yeah, so he was his execution was scheduled for the morning of June second of nineteen eighty. Talk about a fast turnaround. The trial starts in February, and this dude's supposed to be dead before like Fourth of July. No, that's good. Yeah, I mean you gotta gotta get that guy out of there. Yep. However, you know anybody that knows anything about these situations know that it didn't happen quite so smoothly. Uh, upon being sentenced, Gacy was transferred to the Menard Correctional Center, uh, the one where he was actually at for those 300 hours previous to the trial, and he remained incarcerated on death row for 14 years. Can you believe that? Jesus it's actually Christ. Not, not crazy long. That's... Uh, um, why, <laughs> why did it take so long? <clears throat> yeah, that's true. Uh, so You just but, don't know. <laughs> well, why Damn did it take so Well. The thing is, uh, especially on death row, anything that has to do with court, uh, actually anything that has to do with government, if you disagree with the decision, it's within your legal rights to appeal. And as long as you you keep paying your lawyers or they're willing to do it and they keep filing appeals, they technically can't follow through because you're still in the appeals process. All right, I think we should have a new rule that is, if it's over 15... I'll say 10. If it's over 10 counts of death that you're sentenced to, you should probably just die. Mm-hmm. Like, why, why are they allowed to appeal 33 death sentences? Well, what had happened here, uh, kind of the situation we're working with, is he would get it up to the Supreme Court of Illinois. Illinois would say, no, we don't agree to this appeal. We hear you, and we're still going to make you go through with it. So he was scheduled again in 1983, 1985, 1986, 1987. But upon each of those, he would appeal, would appeal, would appeal, would appeal. And it just kept going down the line. Jesus Christ. And in the meantime, just in prison, he and he did multiple interviews where he would discuss things that you know he did, talk about his victims, get his spotlight, things like that. Um, 
On February 15th of 1983, Henry Brisbane, uh, another death row inmate, uh, for those of you in the Chicagoland area, you might be familiar with the guy known as the I-57 killer. Uh, well, that was him. And he actually stabbed Gacy in the arm with a sharpened wire. And uh, Gacy was doing one of the voluntary work programs, and this guy came up to him and just stabbed him. Uh, Good. Just a little, you know, go around. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so he's doing this. He's making paintings. He's actually making money. Um. And then, he can even make money in prison. This guy's insane. He he made a golf course in the first prison he was in. Now he's painting and making money off of it. Mm-hmm. He's getting fucking airtime on TV and radio. Yeah, from they, prison. That's insane. One little fun factoid that people might not know: uh, John Wayne Gacy is actually one of the reasons, if not the biggest reason, why inmates are no longer allowed to make money from things that they do in prison. You can make money if you do work, you know, for the prison, if you do things uh, through them. But back in this day, you could, uh, you know, you could write, you could paint, you could do anything. And if people wanted to buy it, that money was yours. I mean, just because you were in prison doesn't mean you couldn't partake in capitalism. And Then Gacy came along. And John Wayne Gacy's paintings were selling for so much money that they actually had to make laws specifically stating that if you're in prison... You give up the right to make money that way. I mean, you wasn't, can no longer do that. Yeah, wasn't one of his paintings like an acid bath album cover? Yep. That's insane. That and it's a it picture was. of him as a clown. It very much is. That album is absolutely fantastic. It's a you, great album. If you like heavy metal, if you like uh, like doom metal, weird stuff like that, check it out. It's probably one of my favorites of all time yeah, acid bath I, I don't remember what the title of the, the album the, is but it's the one with john Wayne it Casey is on when it. the kite string pops there we go it is a great album i actually have the t-shirt but i don't wear it often because uh you're working i don't uh, really want stiff now i don't really want to go around with a picture of john wayne gacy on my chest you know what i mean it's, yeah we all grow up in different ways yeah yeah um so after the mighty long appeals process, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court, believe it or not, uh, they denied Gacy's final appeal in October of 1993, and the Illinois Supreme Court said, you know what, you're dead, kid. May 10th, 1994, you're going down. That was the date that was set. Fucking about time, Jesus Christ. On the morning of May 9th, 1994, Gacy was driven from the Menards Correctional Center to Stateville Correctional Center in Crest Hill, Illinois. Not bad. Not too far from where we're at, actually. Not too far. On that afternoon, he was allowed a private picnic on the prison grounds with his family for his last meal. Okay, okay. Jake, do you know what his last meal was? I think you might. I think it was a bunch of KFC, right? And strawberries? Mitch, what's your guess? Oh, you know, Mitch knows what it is. Jake, you had half of it right. It was a bucket of KFC, yeah, a dozen fried shrimp, okay, French fries, fresh strawberries. Yes, okay, all right. So it was good. And a diet coke. <laughs> I knew it was KFC. I didn't know. Washed nice. it all down with a diet coke. You got to watch your figure for the for your big day. Yeah. That evening, he observed prayer with a Catholic priest before being brought to the Statesville execution chamber. To receive his lethal injection. Um, this is where it gets even funnier because it just it just piles on. He's dead. Uh, before the execution began, while they were actually getting the chemicals ready, um, 
they solidified unexpectedly and they clogged the IV tube. So they didn't really know what to do. Um, this is back when they allowed you to view the execution. Uh, the windows were open and you could watch it. And they were so embarrassed that they actually closed the blinds. Because they didn't want people to see their, their mighty bumble. So embarrassing. We can't even kill this guy. Yeah. Um, so what they did is they took the clogged tube, threw it in the garbage, and got a new one brought in in about 15 minutes. Uh, so they made the people wait there. Then they reopened the blinds like it's a very bad play. I just imagine a bunch of people start cheering. Yeah. Uh, this is where the issue was, right? Um, so they opened it up. Gave him the shot, injected him. He's dead within 45 seconds. Good. Uh, the whole process, including the backed-up tube, took about 18 minutes. So it was shorter than a fraction of what this episode was. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. So it's funny enough, they because of this, they actually adopted a new method of lethal injection because they realized that the chemicals they were using were obviously not going to work if they kept clogging the tubes. Yeah, it's kind of embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Um, in the hours leading up to this event, over a 1,000 people gathered outside of the correctional center. Uh, and these were anti-death penalty protesters, and some were simply just people that wanted to be a part of the... Of something, because they're boring bland people i guess yeah i don't really know let's go uh let's let's go you know let's go let's go march and see if we can get this fucking multiple rapist serial killer off the death penalty there was a they say there's so many better things to do with your day here's a funny thing they say there's about a 50 50 split of people that were there half the people were there were wearing shirts and had signs that said no tears for the clown and the other half were anti-death penalty people that held a candlelight vigil after he was killed. So that you know, he got a little bit of everything. It was a, a wild wow. turnout for that. What if there was like barbecues going on or something? Mm-hmm. I hope they actually made some fun out of it. If they, if they, if you're gonna go out there and do it, at least make it good. Gacy's death was confirmed officially at 12:58 a.m. on May 10th of 1994. Immediately upon death, his brain was removed. It is in the possession of one Helen Morrison, a witness for the defense that actually testified at the trial of Gacy. Uh, she w- she interviewed Gacy a lot and a lot of other serial killers. And the reason she has the brain is because she is working on studies that link common personality traits of violent psychopaths and sociopaths. Good. Uh, to this day, she still has the brain. And officially on May 11th of 1994... John Wayne Gacy's body was cremated, and his ashes are unknown. Where what happened to him? Nobody knows if they were scattered or if they're kept. Oh, somewhere. geez, that's kind of that's kind of scary. And that, my friends, is the story of one John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, he's Jr. dead. He's dead, and it's good. But he did kill a lot of people on the way, so that's bad. He bumbled his but way. We're also through, done. He bumbled his way through everything, even the death penalty. Yeah. He somehow almost got away with that. They were trying to inject him, and he almost got away. Yeah. Just um, by sheer luck, just like with everything else. Yeah, pretty much. So his reign of terror ended in the late 1970s, and for about 15 years, he hung out in. He was in between prison and, you know, a mental institution. He was constantly 
behind bars, though, um, obviously this is where a lot of the paintings, a lot of the interviews, um, believe it or not, uh, the original works of John Wayne Gacy are still available to this day. They go online at auction for absurd amounts of money. Um, the last I heard, I want to say it was like 2014, I heard, uh, somebody bought one of the original paintings of Gacy. I think it was the sex skull, the one that's a bunch of... It's just a painting of a bunch of people having sex. Is that the the, the picture we posted on Instagram yeah. earlier? Yeah. Um, and that one, it went for over $800,000. What? I, didn't, I don't know if I'd want that in my house if you gave it to me for free. Um, like pre- what the hell? If you are interested, I actually... Who's in charge of that? I stumbled upon a website that I'm very shocked even exists. Um, it... I, I, I don't know the name of it because I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't really care to take the name of it. It's not my <laughs> my hobby, if you will. Did this like freak you out to the point where you're like, no, 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 no? A little bit. I'm a leaving bit. the I'm leaving the computer room. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I did a little bit. Uh, it is a website that only sells serial killer memorabilia. Now the majority of their things are duplicates and copies. However, they do have original things. They have a Christmas card that Jeffrey Dahmer had sent to his friend. Uh, and that is sealed in laminate, and it is on sale for three hundred eighty-five thousand dollars. <laughs> That's uh, there are there is actually a pair of handcuffs that was confiscated from John Wayne Gacy's home on sale, but the price is not listed. You have to contact the seller. Uh, and yes. just so you know, all these things that are authentic do come with a certificate of authenticity. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I'm very interested in true crime. Not enough to have any of those things in my no, house. Probably not. Probably not. Um, I, yeah, it's just not my, not my bag. Maybe we just throw that stuff out. Yeah. But with all of that being said, that is effectively our episode for the week. Yeah, that's our have, series. Well, hold on. we got Mitch holding up two fingers over here. He's what does Mitch to, have to say? He's trying to speak. What's, what's happening here? I just wanted to add in a little something. Uh, so the woman who actually got the brain, I was watching a thing, and I'm pretty sure they actually did studies on that brain. And don't quote me on this, but I think they found like a like a part of your brain that uh, has you know some the chemicals or whatever uh, for empathy for other people like wasn't there. In the brain. Sounds about right. From what that's from what I remember. No, it sounds about right. I could very much believe that. Uh, that scene that if anybody, Mitch boiled down about three and a half to four hours of our material into a single <laughs> sentence right there. No that's apathy. It. You gotta have apathy. That is literally sympathy, it. not apathy. Well, you, you could you should have even mixture too. of both of them. Why not? If you're gonna have sympathy, you should probably have some empathy. Be too. a person, not like John Wayne. Don't let him outweigh Gacy, each other. That is. But we will be back next week. We'll be back on Thursday, if I'm not mistaken, with a new Patreon episode. Oh, yeah. Um, And next Friday, we will be back. Just a little forewarning. I'm not going to tell you what the episode is. We will be taking a, not a break, but we're going to be doing one of our more lighthearted episodes to kind of rinse uh, rinse all this. Wash our mouths out, you know. You know? It's, uh, yeah. 
This is a lot of uh, just garbage water. And this we're has gonna... been almost a month of just talking about young men getting raped and murdered. Yeah, we literally... So we're going to do something that's a bit of a palate cleanser. Yeah, we're going to have some fun. It... Don't worry. It'll it'll be it'll always be dark. That's always something we have to offer. But it's not no, going to be fear not. Yeah, that's yeah. you're not going to want to take a shower after. I mean, unless you're doing something physical. I don't know. You probably should though. But with all that being said, we are starting a cult, and we are done with the episode. No, that's week. true. Yeah, uh, you can follow us on all the shit we got: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And we're on YouTube. There's Patreon down below. We did with all the new episodes. That's for the episode on Thursday. Grant was talking about. It's going to be great. Uh, but yeah, you can follow us on all that stuff. Tell everyone about it. Uh, it's Grant. I'm Jake, and Mitch is here. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Bananas.